When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Holly. Hey, Dave. What's going on today on the What Difference Does It Make podcast? I would say today is a pretty rad day. Rad day. Rad. What do you think? How are you feeling about today, Dave? (laughs) Never mind. I retract. You retract? It is a rad day. You don't have to say. All right. (laughs) Did we say rad in in 1986? I'm pretty sure we said rad in 1986. That's I'm using the word rad. Was it? And our guest is pretty rad. Our guest is ultra rad. Did we shorten rad from radical? radical? Were we saying radical in the like the late 70s, and that took too long? So now we just said rad. You know, like now we say BT Dub instead of. Is that what we say? <laughs> it's what my kids say, because BTW would take too long, and you know you don't you don't want to say by the way. Well, our guest is Rita Wild. She is the rad. Rita Wad Weed a Wild. If, uh, if I said that correct, I say that. And she's not Anyone who listened to radio in Los Angeles in the 80s knows Rita Wild. If you're a rock fan, she had the morning show in the early 80s. She seemed to always be on the air, especially because of the rock report, right? She did the rock report on KLOS. Yeah, she was on KLOS for 20 plus years. And she was, to me, the voice of KLOS. She is a like a the mainstay. She's the rock yeah. of Los Angeles. During our interview, it felt like we were on the air with her. It's so it's one of those voices. She mentions uh, her heroes. And when she heard those voices, she thought of KMET. But when I hear, I don't think of Mark, Mark and Brian, of course, were a huge part of KLOS. But when it comes to the knowledge and the enthusiasm, uh, it was all about Rita Wild. So I have had her on my list of must gets since we started this podcast. And the finding came true. Yay, Dave. She is absolutely delightful. She is as delightful as I knew she would be just from all those years of listening to her. All right. Well, we're going to put that knowledge to the test as we look <laughs> at songs that were played on a station to the far right or uh, on the dial speaking. Radio speaking. Radiologically Radio- speaking. Radiologically <laughs> speaking. They were to the right of KLOS. KLOS 95.5. KROQ 106.7. They used to count down the top 106.7 songs, and we have been looking at all of them. And currently, we are at the year 1986. Songs 90 to 81 from the K-Rock year-end chart in 1986. We're going to get into all of that. Holly, where they find uh, exciting information about what difference does it make? 
we talked to Rita for a long time, so you are going to find outtakes from our talk with her on our YouTube channel at What Difference Does It Make Podcast and on our social media at WDDIM Podcast, as well as outtakes from lots of our other interviews. Indeed there are. <laughs> Let's get right into it now. Enough of this yammer yammer. Let's go into it. This is Rita Wild on the What Difference Does It Make Podcast. Hello. Oh, look Rita at this. Wild. Hey. All right. So nice to meet you, Dave and Holly. Hello. It's so nice to see you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So you have your rock and roll confessional. Is it just the two of you, you and CW? That is correct. Just uh, both of us. And uh, CW presented that with Timmy a couple of years ago. I'd gone back to work at KLOS and it was like, okay, well, everybody's doing a podcast. But I was telling him, you know, all the, all the pitfalls, which I'm sure both of you are quite aware of. It's a lot of work and, you know, not a lot of payback. You two, by the way, do a great podcast. Oh, you know, it, so it's really, really well. It's researched well. It's produced well. You know your stuff and it sounds really good. So I commend you on that. Thank you. Um, Ooh, that's going up on the big board. Yeah, coming from Rita. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's going to be the start of every podcast uh, now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I was doing one uh, at KLOS, pretty much on the legacy of the station, which I was doing with uh, Stu Herrera. And we'd have, you know, special guests and so forth. And, you know, Stu would just like, let's just record it. Let's just put it, you know, to air. And I was thinking, ah, it needs a little bit more editing, a little bit more this, more that. But, you know, I uh, flunked the class. Well, I didn't flunk the class. I just didn't attend the class on, on podcast editing and so forth. So I just let it be. And CW learned everything himself and set up everything himself and, and I put a lot of work and effort into it. And I really appreciate it because we've had some fun times on it. I was commenting to Dave about your show notes are really thorough and really, really nice. Yeah. CW does a great job with that. You know, yeah. again, that's he pretty much does all the heavy lifting, <laughs> you know, so. So CW is, is my Dave. Yes. Dave is the one we uh, We also uh, didn't know when we started four years ago that the technical aspect of it. And when you go back and listen to those really early shows, it was obvious it took us a little while to get the technical stuff down. Yeah, technical stuff. And then also, you know, learning how to interview again, because in, in radio, when I was in it, sometimes it would just be, you have a minute, you know, or you know, if it was a national broadcast show, you better not F up and you have less than a minute, you know, the pressure that went along with it. Uh, for me, the most pressure these days is uh, just reading reading uh, books and so forth because I'm like the slowest reader in the world. I'm it's not ADD. I have a therapist once said it was FFB fast fun brain, right? Yeah. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus is what I always say. <laughs> I actually, it's been fun now the reading, especially the biographies, which was not my format of choice, you know, my genre of choice. But since we've been doing this, I've had so much fun with them. They've been great. Exactly. Uh, just uh, still reading what actually we did the interview last week on the guy who put out the pretty much the Bible on uh, Brian Wilson, David Leaf, and he's, uh, you know, put the addendum on it. It's just as big as the book, but it was the first time I was able to hear the Beach Boys in stereo, if that makes sense, because yeah. I always listen to, you know, like, uh, on the radio as a kid, you know, it was pretty much all mono. And then it was like, you know, the Beatles are my thing and the Beach Boys weren't, you know, cool. But then as I've been doing this podcast and talking with people about the music, I've begun to understand it and just how amazing it is. And that's been a real, real joy for me to find that out. 
All right. So we, we start, we were talking interviews. I was wondering if you remember your first interview. The first interview, I'm trying to remember, but I, I think it's one of the, the people that's on your list. Tony O'K okay was one that I, I remember doing on the air. How about that? Uh, at KEZY in Anaheim. That's where I first started radio on the AM side. All right. So when I looked on your website, it says your your first station you listened to was Radio Luxembourg. So I was like, maybe a, a radio brat or an army brat. I'm sorry. <laughs> Were you an, an a army radio br- brat too? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> true. Uh, yes, an army brat. My father was stationed in Germany. So we lived there about three and a half, four years. And that was kind of like the first radio I was around. It was like this wonderful, I don't know the, the make of it, but I remember flipping it and listening and hearing all the different things. And Radio Luxembourg, I remember hearing a band called Tony Sheridan and the Beat Brothers. <laughs> who eventually became the Beatles. And also I was like flipping that dial and I would get stations like WLS in Chicago and KRLA in Pasadena all the way from Germany. So, you know, I never really put two and two together, but radio has always played a big part in my life. And, you know, I'm just so, so grateful, so blessed for the majority of things that have happened in my life and the course that I took and, and just how, how blessed I am. Okay, so you're, you're an army brother. You're living in Germany. Do you speak any German, by the way? Do you still? Does it ret- you have re- you retained anything? Ein kleines bisschen. Ich habe gewohnt in Deutschland auf drei Jahre. Wenn ich bin, this I'm ruining this, butchering it. Kleine Mädchen, kleine. I see a kleine little kid. Uh, so I I used to speak <laughs> German. I took it in high school, but you know I just picked up the babble again. Oh, Rita, it'll be so good if you can learn to say a couple of things in German when you go over there to Germany. <laughs> Google Translate. Google Translate. Plus, you know, the educational systems over there, I mean, are so tremendous because most of the people speak English over there anyway. And we're, you know, I don't know about you, but I I sometimes get my German and my Spanish confused and it, you know, just makes for hilarity. People are forgiving, but it's a little embarrassing that we we go there and they speak our language. I know. Yeah. So, okay. So trilingual, you are you fluent in Spanish? No. Oh, okay. I was just you know, oh, like, okay. we're working at a restaurant <laughs> oh, okay. and they're working with, you know, restaurant help, you know, and, and that's how I, I was trying to teach them English. They were trying to teach me Spanish. So basura, you know, garbage, trabajo, <laughs> stuff like that. So very, very little Spanish, unfortunately. Donde esta el baño? No, el baño, mm. si, baño. Yeah. Holly speaks Spanish. She's, she's always correcting. Me. Oh, okay. Also in English. Uh, mostly in English, she corrects me. <laughs> in English, I correct your English. <laughs> I, I need corrections in that too. I'm not, I'm not a, a student of really any language. I was going to ask about KZY because KZY was your first, I think I saw an interview with you that you started there answering phones. They get you eventually got an air shift and then you just, you stayed in the market. Well, yeah, the, Anaheim was still, you know, a considered yeah. part of the, the LA market at that time. It was really bizarre. I think it was a speech teacher at college, you know, who said, you know, you you have a nice voice and you really know a lot about music. Have you ever thought about radio? And it was like, bolt of lightning, uh, radio, of course. I was telling you about the radio in Germany. And then uh, my dad was stationed back in Georgia. And I remember listening to some of the, the top 40 stations there. And I'd call them up and say, they would do these parodies of storylines with little clips from songs. And I'd say, well, you should do it with this song and this song and this story. And, you know, and it's like, you know, I'd do school announcements, you know, but I never... It, 
women at that time really weren't in radio. To be honest with you, there there weren't a lot of women in radio. And it was something that I just never thought about. So, but when she said that, it was like, okay, that's it. Radio, it's got to be. So uh, I was taking classes at Cypress College, and then I went to Fullerton Junior College that had more of a radio program. Then it was like, okay, let's get serious. Let's go to uh, Cal State Long Beach. And I didn't last long there. And I don't know if it's because I was overwhelmed or if I just didn't feel comfortable in that environment. But I I remember one of the main people of running the radio station, the class said, I don't really see you uh, having a a chance in this business. At that time, I think normally I would have just said, oh, shit, you know, screwed, you know, and then a bunch of other cuss words and stuff like that. (laughs) But, you know, at that time, it just made me stronger. It's like, no, I want this. This is something I really want, something that I I really love. And I didn't care about being on the air. I just wanted to be inside a, a radio station. And at Fullerton College, there was a, a gentleman there by the name of Brett Flippin. Uh was in one of my classes, and he worked at KZY, you know, just helping out around the station, stuff like that. And I was like, you work at a real radio station? What's that like? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I suddenly started applying there and they gave me a job answering the people's phone which is the fm was automated so it was just like hey what song can we play for you and you know the community <laughs> chat line and that lasted about six weeks and then the program director said sorry you know it's budget time and we're cutting and i said can i do it for free i literally <laughs> did i was you know my father had passed away and uh, I was getting money through the government for going to college and I was working part time. So that kind of paid for it. But I just this was something I just loved doing. I just loved being around the magic. Uh, I just loved being exposed to all the different types of music. And yeah, maybe it was crazy to work for free. But to me, I never, never ever regretted that. In fact, th- those are some of the best times because that's when your passion really takes hold and you realize, oh yeah, I would do this for free. Mm-hmm. And I've said that several times throughout my career. I would, yeah, maybe sometimes. <laughs> when, when he got into management, then it was like, no, what kind of crazy thing is this, man? So, Was there someone that you heard on air that inspired you? Like, I want to be exactly like this person. When I was going to school and really listening and studying to radio, there were two people at KMET that absolutely enthralled me. One was Bob Coburn. 95.5 KLOS El Dorado. That's Neil Young. You're with BC right now. What a great show this morning, huh? The Monkees and Lee Majors and Bert Convey. And, I mean, just the whole shot, man. Absolutely great fun here from KLOS and Mark and Brian. Lee Michaels, we heard a moment ago. Also, Billy Idol, some Led Zeppelin for you, too. You're with BC right now. And the other was Jim Ladd. The question is, what is the only thing God left off a woman's body? Because he got everything else right, but he forgot one thing. Now, what would that be? And the hint might be found in that last song by ZZ Top called Legs, Berlin's Sex, Jay Giles Band, Give It To Me, and the Cars with, oh, Candy, oh, I need you. Lord have mercy. And I love Mary Turner, too, because she was just like straight by the book and she was female. I don't want to discuss it. You're my girl. That's uh, from the very early days of Rod Stewart as a solo artist in Boston before that from the second album, Feeling satisfied. I'm going to be talking with Roger Hodgson of Supertramp off the record in just a second. 
After years of touring with Supertramp, Roger Hodgson has discovered a couple of ways to make life on the road much more pleasant. But still, he says there's no place like home. You hear all these stories of how rough it is on the road. And she was doing radio and kicking ass, you know. But but uh, those three people, absolutely. I mean, Bob Coburn still such a mentor to this day. So much that he taught me. And just what an amazing person. I just, I just thought the world of Bob and uh, Jim Ladd, you know, the same thing. It's like, I'm kind of pitching myself. It's like, wow, you know, Jim Ladd. It's like, yeah, you know, like we're, we're, we're friends now. And it's, it, it's just like, sometimes I have to separate myself from who I am knowing that that kid that I am and was is doing what I'm doing and knowing the people and meeting and getting to know or, or meeting all my heroes, my musical heroes too. I mean, that's just fascinating. Connected to the music. The, I mean, as much as the, the people presenting it, the music yeah. itself. Yeah. yeah. But I learned the most from Bob and, and from Jim Ladd. That's, that's pretty much what I wanted, you know, to do my, and I, you know, attempted never that great Bob had just done an amazing vocabulary and a great articulation yeah. of how to speak and how to ask questions. Uh, you know, when he was doing rock line, it was just like, I, I just like, wow, where'd you come up with that from thinking to myself, you know, and then eventually, you know, he asked me to sit in for him and it's like, I, uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, sure. That, you know, I never, never had the ease and the confidence that Bob had with him. You never sounded like that. What you're just, how you just shaky, oh, the, uh, you never. Trust me. Oh my God. You know, so many times I flubbed words and it's like, how did I ever get this job? I still <laughs> shake my head and just like, hey, I'm lucky, lucky so, and blessed. So did you put together a demo tape? At Keys Y, uh, you know, I, I worked there for free. They demolished or got rid of the uh, the people's phone, as it were. And the people's phone was a person who would, you know, like I say, answer the phones, but also make sure that they changed the tapes on the automated machines. And the AM still at that time was pretty much an AM. A little bit different because Rick Carroll used to program that station. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy who, you know, became, created the K-Rock format. But anyway, I, uh, you know, just kept on doing what I'm doing. Some people say, they're just taking advantage of you. Not getting, no, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. You know, I'd get to go to concerts. It's like, ah, this is just great. And one day the program director there, Dave Foreman said, make me a tape. And I thought, ah, oh, shit, here we go with this tape. You know, he's going to say, you know, you don't have a chance, you know, it's like, whatever. And I made him safe and he said, you're on the air next week. <laughs> Love it. So I was on the air next week and I worked like three weekends and then he promoted me to, uh, to nighttime and, you know, I never, never left. Never looked back. And it wasn't 12 to 3 a.m.? Actually, uh, when I first started doing stuff, I'd run the board like, like 12 to 6 you know, and they'd have like all these special programming and, and like every now and then I'd get a call and goes, oh, that was nice. Good thought putting that song, the Beatles song or that Zone song or something in between those two, you know, just to make sure that music content and you know, like, oh, good. Somebody's listening. <laughs> Dave just gave me such a tremendous break. And and also at KZY, I had the opportunity to uh, really get into news. That was something that I, I really wanted to do. So. Uh, he allowed me to do that. We'd go out and do interviews. And he saw me go to uh, KLOS and uh, he was there one day 
you know, got to see me in my office and it was just like, he was just <laughs> shaking his head and it's like, you know, it's because of you, dude. It's because of you, man. I don't know. So directly from KZY to KLOS. Yes. That that doesn't really happen. So there were like a lot of people that worked there, you know, like Shauna, uh, I actually took Shauna's place because I think she went up to KLOS. Uh, but Steve Downs worked there for a while in between. And Steve was just amazing. Another extremely talented and, and great individual. Uh, a lot of great people there. There'd be people that would work all their lives just to be able to get to Katie's Y. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, there was that part where I feel guilty about it. And, you know, it took me a long time to, to get over that, to be honest with you. And you clearly have the drive. You, Someone told you you're not qualified for this. You kept going. You know, someone said, we're not going to pay you. We're, we're going to cut your job. You're like, I don't, I'm still showing up. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tenacity. You, this is something you, you know, clearly this is something that you had to have. You know, maybe, you know, that it's that bolt of lightning that hit and it was like, yeah, that's where I'm supposed to be. Radio, radio. You could talk about being grateful, which I understand, but it's not just, it's not, you know, luck by any means. You obviously earned it. Nobody was doing you the favor. People discovered you were great at it and the you passion know, I- for it. Yeah, I think that was probably more than anything what got me there was just my desire and that pure passion for it, you know, and I always tell people, if if it's your dream, if it's your love, then do it. Push it as hard as you can to try and and do it. Some people weren't as fortunate, you know, as I I got to go to KLOS and stayed there for, God, uh, 20-something years. So when did that happen? You're at KEZY, and when did did someone say... Did someone pluck you from from there, uh, or was it like I I'm ready for the big time? Actually, the general manager and the PD told me that you know it looks like the buildings were going to sell, so you might want to try to start putting out feelers. And I had you know oh my god no it's over you yeah, know and it's right. like oh I knew it was too good to last. And, <laughs> but it, it was funny like before I got on air at KEZY. Uh, there was a, a guy that I know who was recording on the music for the FM station who was also doing work, uh, production work at K-Rock. And he said, would you have an interest in working at K-Rock doing production? And I said, uh, sure. I don't know anything about production, but I'll learn. Right. Rick Carroll was at the station and I uh, got a great recommendation. And somebody at K's wife found about it and said, you know, I guess that's why we're going to put you on the air next week. And then at KZY, oh, okay. when that ended, they said that it was basically going to be sold. So I put out a couple of types. I had a talk with somebody at KMT, which was my station. That's where I wanted. You know, I loved KMT because of my, my mentors being there. But also uh, KLOS was really starting to change. And I sent a tape and Tommy Hedges called me and interviewed myself and Frank Sennis the same day and said, uh, we're looking for a weekend talent. Would you guys be willing to? Yeah. And I said, well, could I still work at my other station? They said, as long as your other station is fine with it, because this would be on weekends. So I continued to work at KEZY and weekends at KLOS that lasted for about three, four months. But I remember that, that interview also, Tommy said, and I need somebody to work tonight. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, I'll do it. God, it's so crazy. I remember the yeah. first song I played, Steve Downs was on um, before me and tell me what I needed to do. And in those days, they had an engineer that ran everything. You know, you couldn't queue up your own record. You had oh, really? to wait for them to hit the record. It's like, no, that's messing up the segue. <laughs> 
Oh, no. The first song I played was Ellie Woman from The Doors, and it was just like, okay, this is great. How what about year? that? That was January 28th, 1983. Wait a second. Oh. Hold on. I'm doing some math here. We're 40 near, years. We're, wow. That's <laughs> weird. And I remember really a really bad El Nino situation. I don't know how old you folks are, how young you are, but uh, <laughs> one of that El Nino situation in 83 flooded the freeways and I had like this little MGB card. <laughs> it was like at any point I'd be going down the freeway and it would just stop. But fortunately it didn't happen when I was on my way to work. So, All right. So, you said KMET was your favorite station and KLOS was making changes. What was the difference between the two? Well, I guess, you know, that at the time KMET was slowly starting to change and some of the magic, I guess, had been wearing off, you know, like in the late 70s, you know, like listen to Paraquat Kelly and Murray Turner and, you know, Jim Ladd and Bob Coburn, people like that. It was just the spirit that, you know, they really... I'm a very political person, I guess. Also, I love politics. And that kind of shaped me how I went about with my thinking and my beliefs and so forth. So, you know, they do like Survival Sunday. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to that. The anti-nuke stuff of some of those artists that were bonded in that kind of frame were huge influences like Jackson Brown and Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young. We had a conversation with another radio legend, and so we were talking about embodying the, the personalities of a radio station, em, embodying the station itself, the music and, and the values, and we talked about it in relation to K-Rock and, and some of the alternative stations. But yeah, it's a very good observation with KMET. They definitely embodied that vibe. Yes. Yeah, the, the personalities too, yeah. And I, I loved, you know, what KLOS was doing and, and was able to do a lot more things with that. They did the blood drive and then we'd blow that up to become like a, a thing where, you know, you'd get free concert tickets if you, you know, donated a pint of blood and did some tremendous things for the American Red Cross. The things that were really important to me were like things like with veterans, things, uh, people going through earthquakes or floods. Uh, it was like, let's make a difference. Let's do it. Let's make a difference. And I was like, yeah, whatever we can do, you let me know and we'll do it, you know. So it was wonderful to be a part of those things. You know, see the spirit of people and true goodness and true humanity of wanting to be a part of something, you know. I was going to ask, an era that you loved and that the people that you worked with or you who you were, were closest to, Mark and Brian. I loved working with Mark and Brian. They really taught me a lot. I think I was a bit too serious, maybe, sometimes, you know, uh, growing up. When you when you lose your most important person to you, my to me it was my father at 13, it really messes up your head, especially if you're involved next in a, a cultural shock of moving from a small town in Georgia to Southern California. It's like, oh, this is totally different. And it, it took a while for me to uh, to fit in, to acclimate. I really learned that from them, you know, to to laugh a lot more. I heard your, your podcast with Mark, you know, and, and his book and, you know, just some of the times that, you know, he was talking about and working with them in the studio. You know, Mark is a fantastic storyteller, just brilliant with that. And and Brian, one of the funniest people I have ever met or been around. I mean, he's like, to me, Robin Williams, funny. I mean, just, just off the top of his head, you know, and it was just, it was just pure magic and so many different things of pure magic in there. Like that time, Mark talks in his book about Stevie Nicks, 
being in the studio singing landslide and I'm running the board and, you know, and I'm hearing that. And it's that feeling you get of, oh my God, this is like heaven. This is like one of the most incredible highs you will ever feel or ever experience of hearing somebody sing or a song that means so much to you. But when she did landslide, my God, Mm -hmm. I I looked at Brian and we both about just lost it, choked up with emotion. It was just beautiful, but so many great, great times with them. I really appreciated that. Probably my most fun time at uh, KLOS was when I became music director. I never really wanted to be a program director. Music director was was all that it was for me. It was like just to being around the music, you know, and like I said, to meet my heroes. That was just great stuff. All right. Well, we're, you want to talk music? Sure. All right. Let's talk music. Let's, we're going to go to uh, 1986, which was a, a weird time for rock stations. There was the emergence of KLSX. Yep. KMET was having a, you know, they had like a 0.9 rating and they were about to change in February of 87. Wait, so, didn't you go to work there? At, I did. Uh, that was my first wave. The, the, the week after I went, I went to the wave. I thought like, no one's going to want to go to the station. This is where I can rise to the top quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was just answering phones and yeah, no, it's, you know, I, I think it was, was it Andy Bobian? The PD at the time. Oh, oh uh, Frank Cody was the man. Frank Cody. Yeah. yeah. Frank Cody had actually been PD at KLOS for a long time. Yeah. And then he's the one that came up with that, that format. And yeah. it's just like everybody just went, oh, my God. But, you know, you look at it now and, you know, the wave has been the wave longer than KMET was KMET. Yeah. You know, it just goes to show you, you know, you don't. It's yeah. crazy well, to they, think about that, that it's been. So where was KMET in 1986? What were they doing that was not working? Worked for KLOS, and, but didn't really, KMET was just having problems. You know what, to me, I think a lot of it was like they tried to be a little bit too metal. And then you had uh, KNDC, which did a super job of being who they were. I mean, true metal, metal heads down there. They, Great station, great people, great, great branding. Great. I remember one of their billboards said K-Metal. And it's like, no, it's mm-hmm. not K-Metal, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know. And they fired people. And then maybe a year after that, that's when they eventually left the airwaves. I think 1987, February 14th, was it? That's right. Yeah. Valentine's Day Massacre is what Massacre. they call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Learning all about Rita Wilde, having a lovely time with her. And now that we know a little bit about Rita, let's learn a little bit about KROQ and the songs they played back in 1986, right after the break. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. 
I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And we're back on the What Differences It Make podcast with our guest, Rita Wild. All right, let's talk music. I gave you a cheat sheet. These are the songs <laughs> 90 to 81 from the K-Rock list of 1986. You folks did such a great job with, you know, <laughs> prepping me and letting me know what it was. And it was like, okay, great. I can, you know, but I'll let you ask me about all of them. And I'll, <laughs> I'll show you how stupid I am about some music. Let me ask this. Did KLOS have a... Best of 86 chart. Did they put out any of these year-end lists? They had sure. a Firecracker 400. Yeah, you know, we would do that occasionally. To be honest, it's just kind of like recycled just, lists. You know, it's like a lot of times you go through and you clean it up, and but you have to put Stairway to Heaven in there. But don't make it number one all the time. I mean, what a great song, but just don't play it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> agreed. I, 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 Sweet Home Alabama, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, I mean, great songs, but, you know, yeah. not every day. I mean, yeah, just ask Neil Young. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number 90 is Art of Noise. The song is Legs. Did you know that Trevor Horn was a part of this band, Art of Noise? I did not put that together. Maybe I knew that at the time because I believe Trevor Horn also worked with Yes. He did. Didn't he? Yeah. So uh, that era of Yes, I thought was great. The drama album was wonderful. But I, I did not follow him to, uh, to Art of Noise, no, unfortunately. of like uh, music that might get your uh, your rump to shake a little bit? Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, a lot of, a lot of good stuff. I mean, I, I love all sorts of genre of music. You know, I, I can't say that I'm, you know, like especially knowledgeable when it comes to rap and, but, but then when I was growing up, I wasn't really knowledgeable about a lot of R and B stuff or a lot of blues stuff, you know? So it, it's a lot of education learning stuff. And, and I am learning now from this in 1986, the K rock list and stuff that we miss playing. Were you listening to K rock at the time? And, and were you, you know, I wasn't really listening to K rock at the time, to be honest with you. I, I, I'm not really a synthesizer type of person. And that's what, you know, pretty much most of the music seemed to be uh, at that time for me. So, All right. So, the, okay. And that leads into ZZ Top. We also had a song called Legs and they were experimenting with music. Were you a fan of, uh, you know, the, these uh, albums that were coming out in the eighties? 
You know, it's like, yeah, you know, the, the ZZ Top did it okay, I guess, with that album. But then it was like, then the next album's like, let's have more synthesizers. And then you go see them in the shows and then there are synthesizers there. And then they're walking on these cardio machines, you know, pretending that they're playing the, the machine <laughs> that way. And it's like uh, a little bit too much. And it was like a little bit, you know, it's like MTV had taken over the whole world. And it's like, let's see how pretty everyone is. <laughs> or let's see how what kind of story we can make on, on on music videos that have nothing to do with the song whatsoever. So that that part of music kind of just I, I didn't gravitate to that much. Eighty six was also kind of those videos this set you know tried to sex up everything and that was the year of heart, wasn't it? The uh, that, oh heart, yeah, yeah it's like, just like. You know I these mean, dreams, and it's like okay, yeah, I'm great. You know that Nancy gets to sing and. But it's that's not Barracuda. It's you know, and, and I'm all for bands progressing and, and and writing and releasing new music. I'm all for that. But it was just too too much contrived music to me. But the, you know, there was some good stuff on that hard album though too. And I was happy for them that they you know had all that great success. Holly, I didn't even ask you about uh, the song. What do you think? Art of Noise? And I liked them. I liked the music. But going back and listening to it now, especially this song, which I had forgotten, I really liked it. And you made me go back by what you had written about Paranoia with Max Headroom, oh. which I thought was fun to see. Yeah, I, I liked it. And I totally forgot about Trevor Horn, who, you know, is for us is the ultimate. Yeah, Max Headroom. That was a thing in 86. That's Oh, a, yeah. A, what a huge. weird time. Am I dreaming? No. Where am I? In bed? What am I doing? Talking to myself. Look, I must have a star on my door. Or better still. A door? A door? A door? Swing doors, huh? Okay, doors. Swing. Was that ever pitched to you? Would you like to interview Max Headroom? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wasn't in management at that time, so no, uh, that I don't remember that. But everybody was aware of it. You know, Max had written, like Beavis and Butthead, everybody's aware of that. And yeah. Well, you, you had of, the morning show. I'm sure they, they could have, that would have been something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <You know>. <laughs> <laughs> Even today, you're passing on it. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's move to number 89. Your buddy, Tony O'K, and the song Romeo and Jane. Let's talk about this interview. So you, this is possibly your first interview that you had? Yeah, and it was, uh, I remember the the single that he brought in, KZY, uh, I, and I don't remember if it was uh, La Bamba or one of those, but he brought in the artwork. It was just so classic. It was Bambi, <laughs> and a poor little Bambi in the woods, and a big, you know, explosion, atomic explosion behind it. It was like, poor Bambi, you know, it's like, it really... 
Sorry, I'm going to look for that one. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. But yeah, Tony was great. Uh, I got to interview X at that time, too. That was interesting because, uh, you know, that... I remember being in, in one of the offices where I was recording and, and all the salespeople would come by and look at, you know, see that. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, not wow. Wow. Uh, but wow. So strange. And they just thought so weird of all these people, but, but so, yeah, but, but this particular song of Tony O'Kay, no, we didn't play that at KLOS. So, <laughs> all right. He was on Irving Azov's label. I'm sure the Eagles had something coming out and he came knocking on your door. You got a good story? <laughs> I got a, a couple of stories about <laughs> Irving Azoff. Dealt with him a little bit more during the Van Halen time. And then I remember Irving calling me up and saying, will you come listen to some of this new music that Eddie's working on? It was like, great. I'd, I'd be more than happy to do that. So I go over to his studio and he's playing me some of the songs. And then, then the secretary would say, uh, Eddie's on the phone. Okay. <laughs> So the pipe in Eddie and, and Eddie's, you know, he'd be start screaming something about some stuff and, and Irving would say, Eddie, Rita, Rita Wild from KLOS is here. Oh, hi Rita. Um, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about this stuff later. And then he'd call back about like 10 or 15 minutes later and stuff. I'm going to erase all the vocals off this. I can't stand the vocals on this. You know, it was just like, it, it was funny to see how Irving handled him, but uh, uh, Irving's a very successful guy. And, you know, it's, it surprised me that he did Tony Okay. I, I wasn't really aware of that, but he was, I guess, from the very beginning, his manager. Let's move to 88. Robert Palmer, I didn't mean to turn you on. We all know this song. Knew the song. <laughs> we might have played it a yeah. little bit at KLOS, but it would be one of those songs that were in the uh, top five added list that were played like maybe once every couple of days from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m., something like that. You know, but, but we did touch the other stuff on the on the record, you know, Addicted to Love. We were all over that. Oh. And then Power Station also, we we played that. Yeah, you guys were big on that. It was written by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And um, so this song made it all the way up to number two. The song that was number one is Boston's Amanda. What do you think of no. Power Ballad for, for radio? No. No. <laughs> no. No. I didn't like that song. No. You know, you could just kind of tell it was like they, you know, the first <laughs> album was, you know, really fantastic for for radio and second album it was you know it was great but it was so much of a studio band that you know amanda just sounded like it was pieced together you know to me it was like i i had no affection for the song you know i had to play it a lot but it it, yeah. it did nothing really for me
how do you sell a song you don't you're not 100 percent behind Stairway to Heaven. When's the last time you heard this song? Hey. Okay. <laughs> you ever notice in this particular song that it is four minutes and 48 seconds of guitar intro and stuff, you know. So, yeah, you, you, you come up with ways. I mean, that was always the thing. It's like, you know, like even with Springsteen with, you know, it's like, how do you fake excitement for playing Born to Run again? It's like, you know. No, I want to see Born to Run in concert. But even, you know, like if I see Springsteen so many times, I don't really want to hear it every night. But I agree. I'm, I'm there with you. You know, you always think about those first timers. I, you know, the kids. Yeah. What about the kids? You got to. What about the kids? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad the kids are buying vinyl again. That's good. All right. Number 87, Love and Rockets All in My Mind. What do we think? Uh, we didn't play it. No, um, I, I know Kayla West didn't but, play it, but this is like, you know, like goth, yeah. like a little different style. Yeah, but no, it, but, you know, decent band. You know, I like some of their stuff, but, you know, this particular song I don't really care for. I wouldn't put it on my... <laughs> your playlist, your Spotify uh, playlist. playlist. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? This song is not one of their gothier songs. This song, this song is pretty poppy for Eleven Rockets song. I think that's my I understand. The, I, just, I just wanted to, this is for yeah. Rita. It's mostly for and Rita. The <laughs> conversation starters, I know, but also, did you watch the? Vi- I watched the video. They look like my boyfriends at the time. The hair, <laughs> you know, the, the spiky hair, and I like this. It's hard to sometimes determine whether you liked the song that you loved the music, or it just evokes a certain time in your life, right? Yeah. That and that you. That's why you have an affinity for the music. It's hard to tell. That's true. It's like, you know, how did, how did it affect you? Does it remind you of somebody? Does it remind you of a really bad time? So you don't want to hear it. Or do you find comfort in like knowing that how you felt about a song back then still affects you the same way? Yeah. It's kind of interesting that way, but yeah, it's like there was, there was so much music too. There was so much music coming out and it's like, you know, what lit impact you the most? Dave, how'd you feel about this one? Oh, I, I'm all in on this. I, lo- I love this stuff. <laughs> I love- you definitely K-Rock P1. Yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Which is why we're doing this. So, okay. So let's go to the, a classic song that you can never get tired of. <laughs> or possibly you do. Walk This Way, Run DMC. What do you, I mean, is this something that the KLOS embraced? They, everyone knew it was coming up, you know, like, okay, we love Aerosmith. We love, we play everything they do. What about this? Walk this way. Walk this way. 
know, we didn't play the Beastie Boys. So that was like, you know, kind of like the same thing. It's just like, no, I, I think maybe it was played once or twice, but then the reaction on the phones was just horrendous. Was it? Okay. That it was yeah. just like that. They just, no, don't do it. I remember the first time we tried to play Depeche Mode. It's like, don't ever play Depeche Mode on KLOS. I mean, people were adamant about that. You know, and I warned Dave about that, Dave using it, you know, because he was like playing something. I go, people are going to turn on you. But then you, you realize that, no, well, Depeche Mode, I mean, you know, they did that whole thing at the warehouse and the Rose Bowl. And, you know, you can't deny that their impact on Los Angeles. I mean, huge. But, yeah. you know, I guess those tried and true rock and rollers at that time did not want to hear Run DMC. What did you think of it personally? Uh, didn't care for it. Like it much better now. Yeah. You know, as yeah. as time gone by, you know, like I like the Beastie Boys now too. It's like I'm a little late on that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, those kids, the Beastie Boys, they're, yeah. they're better late good, than never. They're doing yeah. something. These lyrics for "Walk This Way." <laughs> do you, are you? You're how important were lyrics at the station? Like, okay, we know what Stephen's talking about here. Can we? Can we really play this? <laughs> Well, like big 10 inch record, uh, yeah. you know, we played that, you know, uh, there were so many songs, you know, but <laughs> you, you can't say that, you know, so, I mean, we'd play it for the longest time, but as the government and the FCC kind of started cracking down, it's like anything that had the word shit or fuck or anything like that, you, you had to edit out. And it, it's bad because, I mean, if you try to edit a song with so many different edits and it just takes away from the song. But, yeah, run the MC. I mean, but yeah, Rock and Roll Hall, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Yeah. As is Aerosmith. But, yeah, you got I mean, you can't say shit, but you can say down on a muffin. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you could probably say a lot more now. A lot, <laughs> I, I guess, you know, like traditional radio, not so much. Uh, were you a Durani? Because no. number number 85 is a solo song from John Taylor, the bassist for Duran Duran. <laughs> and the song is, I do what I do to have you. Do you look the way you wanted to look? Do you feel the way you wanted to feel? Are you happy now that we fantasize? That is one of those songs that I think that might have been added, but it was also in that lunar rotation, you know, or, yeah. or like the, you know, the, the Jupiter rotation, whatever, that come around once every, you know, 400 years. You know, the, a lot of the Duran stuff, that was what, what, 82? Yeah. Um, I mean, some, there's some great songs on that, but that was like when you really started to hear the separation between like KLOS and K-Rock and others. Like the the reflex or I'm trying to think of like a, like a view to a kill Kayla West didn't experiment at all with the... No, yeah. no. For me, I think it was always too much synthesizer. But, you know, even if I was like music director at the time, it was like, no, I didn't. I, I remember being so burned and so scorned by those listeners about, you know, Depeche Mode and don't play that. <laughs> we'll burn down the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, it was kind of 
the same sort of thing. So the only, really the only offshoot of Duran Duran would have been power. You said you played a power station. station. And we had, uh, you know, like John Taylor would come in, you know, the Mark and Brian show occasionally and stuff and do stuff like that. And there was maybe one song or so that we would play from just to, so, you know, we could appease the record company or appease (laughs) something, but you know, it really didn't help anybody unless they were working overnight. Holly. Of this song, a little solo John Taylor. Oh, I think she was a Durani. What do you think? <laughs> oh. I was a Durani for sure, and he was my he was my favorite based on you know yeah. his how he looked. Yeah, I did not remember this song, but I don't. I can't say that I love the song, but I definitely liked watching the video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he's easy on the eyes. Last week we talked about an Andy Taylor song. Oh, okay. and yeah. yeah, there was Arcadia. You know, there was no Duran Duran. In 86, but there was a lot of Duran Duran in 1986. Right. I'm sure it made you happy to just to know that uh, John Taylor, Holly, that John Taylor (laughs) had something new out. Number 84, Boys Don't Cry is the name of the band. And the song is I Want to Be a Cowboy. Riding on the range. I've got my hat on. I've got my boots. Dusty. Did you watch the video? We had a little uh, cameo from Lemmy, which is always a treat. You know what? Uh, I, I thought the song was great, but we never played it at KLOS. <laughs> Would you play novelty songs? Like, you know, when Weird Al came out with something? Yeah, some of that stuff with, you know, like like Eat It, stuff like that would be played just a little bit. I mean, you know, the, the big controversy at one time, too, was, well, do you play Michael Jackson's Beat It with, you know, Eddie Van Halen and that scorching guitar? And, and the thinking at that time was, no. We're not going to play it. Yeah. You know, and the, and the thing with, with Prince, I mean, do you play Prince? And it sounds like white radio hates black music, but no, that's, you know, yeah. we, we played a little bit of Prince, you know, like Purple Rain. You did play Purple Rain. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And Death's Cry. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I would think the novelty songs for Kale would have been Dr. Demento. Dr. Demento was huge. Uh, you know, it was like, yeah, that was a, definitely the KMT brand. Uh, on, on Sunday nights, people listening to that. So KLOS didn't really venture off into that too yeah. much. All right. So Holly, let's go back to the song. Did you, uh, were you a fan? I did not remember the video. So I did go back and watch it and I couldn't figure out how Lemmy could have been connected to the, to this band. <laughs> but I did, I, I looked it up and the oh. singer wanted a bad boy and he, Lemmy just sprung to his mind. So we put it out there and mm. Lemmy said, yeah. Actually, what Lemmy said was, just make sure you have a bottle of vodka on the set. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like Lemmy. Number 83 is In Excess. Do what you do. You must have played In Excess. KLOS played a lot. You must have. This is probably one of your, like, back when you were a music director. Yeah, definitely played this band.
definitely played this band a lot and loved them. Uh, actually got them to come on with Mark and Brian uh, probably maybe about a year or so before uh, Michael passed away. Just love that band. I know uh, Bob Coburn was a huge fan of them. That was great stuff. I remember Brian telling a story about Bob Coburn taking him to an in excess show and, and uh, Brian laughing about how funny Bob was dancing. You know, like, <laughs> 82. Um, mm-hmm. Big Audio Dynamite. This is Mick Jones from The Clash. This is his band. The song is E equals MC squared. Somebody I never met, but in a way I know. Didn't think that you could get so much from a picture show. Man dies first, real people lost. What's the deal? This ain't how it's supposed to be. Don't like no aboriginal. Took a trip in Power Square. Pop star died his health. No fans are screaming, shouting, monsters came. KLOS would not even touch this. But Did not. Yeah, but uh, I'm sure The Clash, was that something like you were, you know, you were kind of seeing their direction. They opened up for The Who. You're like, oh, we're going to have a rock band, the champion forever. Yeah. Love The Clash and loved, uh, you know, at K-E-Z-Y, we would play, you know, some of The Clash. Mm. And that was great. I loved it because I, I was just starting to like, you know, get into the the London scene and, and uh, you know, like, going on vacation there and going to all these record stores and buying all these special editions of records, you know, and it's like, Oh my God, I have so many records (laughs) and stuff from that, that era. But yeah, I mean, the big audio dynamite didn't really, you know, not personally. And Holly, what do you think of this one? This was a totally new direction. So I was able to accept it rather than him moving on and doing something clash like. So it was easier for me to accept. I, I liked it. Yeah. You? Yeah. He's going, he's doing the Trevor Horn thing, you know? Yeah. I liked it. I wasn't a, a huge fan. I was always the clash where uh, mm-hmm. like London calling mm-hmm. that whole album is, yeah. is in you know, top five. For Sandanista. Me. Yeah. yeah. But I yeah. saw this as different. So it was easier for me to accept. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. You run DMC type thing. It was, this was a, a great song for K rock to play. And you know, the, yeah. you know, he makes a change. K- fine. K rock's going to play it. Let's finish it up with number 81. Yeah. Belinda Carlisle, solo, Mad About You. By the the newest ex go go member Gina Brown, who was in Gina. the band for like a, a second. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, you know, Easy Y played the Go Go's, and uh, Kalewis played a little bit of the Go Go's, maybe eighty three, eighty four, but not this particular, not the solo stuff. 
but you must have been excited for an all-female band to take off and and you know achieve the success was it something for you that you know like this is an la band it's all female you know yeah i i, I always thought that was I great know. you know and the go-go's and and who was the other band that was like you know well the runaways were like yeah. the first at it not the first fanny i think was actually the first yeah female band on on that spectrum but yeah they were a little too cute for me you know but they were not cute i mean they were they were like downright dirty yeah. <laughs> they were those girls lived life man yeah <laughs> they knew how to party yeah a lot of party. <laughs> so as i gather from just talking with you just want bands that rock it, you, sex didn't matter you know the the sex of the guitarist or whatever it didn't matter i just <laughs> sex wanna... was important but <laughs> well, well yeah i'm sorry <laughs> but yeah the um no, it was mostly with the music for yeah. me, not what, what it came wrapped in. It was just the heart, the essence of it, the purity of it. Yeah. That's what I loved. Rita, you've been with us for two hours. Aren't you hungry? <laughs> no, this has been a real pleasure. I, I appreciate both of you. Uh, I, I respect that you love what you're doing and just the love and the integrity and the joy that you bring to to what you're doing. And I wish I would have done better on the, the K-Rock quiz, but... Uh, Hey, it is what it is. That's right. That's why we bring in. You've met uh, the world to us. I mean, you, we've listened to you for. Uh, I don't even want to say how long we've for a long, long time. We've we've heard you on the air and really um, very, very blessed and very grateful inspiring. That you did. We grew up with you, listening to you, but also loved rock and roll confessional. So, we're happy to be able to continue to hear you. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for for coming on. It was such a pleasure to talk to you and continued happiness. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, Holly, another Los Angeles radio icon, Rita Wild. How exciting was it to talk to her? I love Rita. I'm so, I was so glad to talk to her. She is as delightful as I knew she would be. And I know this K-Rock stuff is not necessarily her genre of choice, but we got her thinking and she knew some of it. Well, the best part is Rita talked about our podcast. She listened to our podcast and she had lovely things to say about us. So that is something that I will, I wish I could frame those words. Somehow I'll have to put it up on the wall, figure out how, how to frame words that, uh, that Rita Wilde has said about us. <laughs> our testimonials. Yes. This was a great time with Rita. We have a great time every week. We have new episodes every week, uh, every Friday. So please subscribe. And where else do they find us? Check us out on social media at WDDIM Podcast and on YouTube at What Difference Does It Make Podcast. WDDIMPodcast.com. Visit there. Sign up for the newsletter. The countdown continues next week, so please follow us. All right. So until next time, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 